Listen to an excerpt from a new song called We Don't Need War by Soviet and Russian musician Maxim Pakrovsky and his band Nogusvilo. Since its creation in the 1980s, the band quickly became known throughout the crumbling Soviet Union. That was the time of change. Soviet censorship fell apart and the authorities stopped pressuring artists and musicians. That was the time of hope for a better future. Some 30 years later, the band's concerts and music tours are getting cancelled in Russia because of their support of Ukraine. My name is Mikhail Saburov, and this is Russian Resistance Podcast. I was always a fan of Maxim's music. I thought he is one of few Russian musicians who feel the social and political pulse of the nation and have the mastery of the Russian language to express it. Nogusilo Band has withstood the test of time and always made music true to the period. Since 2019, Maxim's been living between the US and Russia while still giving concerts in his homeland. Actually, we can connect everything to the history, to the news history of our country. And when significant events were taking place, such as submarine Kursk, when Russian people in general ate that, accepted somehow. And when democracy were receiving another bullet, another nail in in coffin, which means more and more steps made by government, by the regime to get rid of real democracy, pluralism, etc., etc. Maxim refers to the Kursk submarine catastrophe, when the nuclear submarine sank in the Barents Sea. The official version was an accidental torpedo explosion. However, there is still no concrete answer to why it happened. The Kursk tragedy left a major impression on Russian social awareness throughout the 2000s, and it is still well-remembered today. For us, uh, particularly, it started two years ago when we denied participation in certain events in Moscow, Gorky Park. Actually, pro-government promoters gathered uh, the concert to attract people to attend this concert and not to participate in meetings. That meetings was to oppose corruption during elections. Because we initially, we agreed. We were paid. We, we didn't understand what's going on. We were from the States. Then we realized, and I remember, I gave a call to one of the promoters by myself. So I gave that person a call and told him, no, dude, Forget about me. We are not, we are not performing. And then Navalny poisoning dramatic events in Belarus, but it's not the time when it started. The war didn't change the project at all. If we call my band a project. Because again, as I say, by the time we were directed to protest activity, we just continued to do what we had been doing for already significant period of time. All of a sudden, I just, <laughs> I came up with the idea. I mean, it's it's a stupid thing. It's not an idea. It's an essence of a musician. It's an idea. Oh, I have an instrument. It's a very, very effective, very peaceful instrument. Just write a song. Censorship was a common obstacle for Soviet musicians. Harmonical exuberance, formalism, incomprehensibility for mass audiences, hence directed against the nation, these are just a few legal reasons why a musician could find his song or album banned. Of course, that applied to foreign music as well. What's worse than the Western influence after all? Depeche Mode, Beatles, The Doors. All of them became a secret commodity only available underground or at black markets. Maxim hasn't faced much Soviet censorship, 
but he experienced modern Russian censorship firsthand. Because of several anti-war songs, concert halls, clubs, and festivals canceled the band's shows. Just recently, the Russian media published a leaked list of the so-called unwanted musicians. In simple terms, the government prescribes all promoters and event spaces to refuse those artists who made it into the list. Maxim's name is there as well. Ever since Maxim released the anti-war songs, the pro-government media published interviews and articles trying to expose Maxim as hyping on the theme of war. Government and pro-government media, they want to... They don't really ruin my career. Because black PR, if we are, like, you know, like, robotically <laughs> cynical, whatever PR is PR. So they work on me. And every, you know, conscious person understands what's going on. I mean, I've never asked this kind of PR uh, and publicity. So I don't need it, but they give it to me. All right. Thank you so very much. I cannot stop you. I, I've been trying to live to get along with my conscience. Everyone makes mistakes during of the course of their life. But I, at least I try to refer to my conscience. And I'm not the worst person in the world. And what I'm doing, it's a right thing. On the Russia Day, 12th of June, Maxim released the song and music video titled Ukraine. The song focuses on the experiences Ukrainian people live through today as the Russian bombs fall from the sky. Maxim sings about hope for the future and his own Ukrainian half. Maxim's mother is Ukrainian. The music video depicts Maxim telling this story to kids in an Ukrainian-like landscape. Just in three days, the music video received two million views. Since the song was written and performed in Russian, I was wondering if Maxim had a target audience for it. Was it a song for the Russians or Ukrainians? Or maybe both? When I write the song, I don't think about my audience. I love my audience and I think about it, all of them. But the moment the song is born, it's a magic moment. In my opinion, it doesn't need to be generated by my thoughts about who will be listening and who will be giving their opinions about that. Then we go back down to the earth from the skies. I was thinking not as much. But again, I was thinking about half-blood, you know, half-Ukrainians, half-Russians, or doesn't necessarily half-Russians. Half-Ukrainians and another half could be Russian or whatever. For example, or abroad, they are, you know, they are teared apart by this catastrophe. So many, many half-Ukrainians react to the song emotionally. And that song is for Ukrainians. Important thing is... I just a minute ago, I told it was for Ukrainians, but actually it's, it's, it's an extremely personal song. And that song, I mean, I'm not kidding, with millions of Ukrainians. I'm vibrating right now, and I touched the most delicate subject in the world right now. But again, it doesn't necessarily mean that the song needs to be approved by everyone. It's just for some Russians, in my opinion, it was better just to keep their mouth shut. 
just for a minute. Could you just suspend your taste for a minute and let this song just live in some, you know, peace and let it fly for a minute? Literally an hour before I got to speak to Maxim, the Ukrainian government passed a law banning listening to Russian-language music in public places. With Maxim's anti-war album being entirely in Russian, it would affect him firsthand. They are in a very, very difficult position. In this, political sensitivities uh, go, you know, above all else. It doesn't mean a lot to me. I don't expect anything. I, it's not like I'm building my career over these songs. I actually ruined my career, at least in Russia. So my family and I, our band, we're just trying to be, you know, decent people. If Ukrainians and Ukrainian government thinks that it's better, all right? I don't sell PR strategy. We don't have the strategy. Before the song Ukraine was born, I had no idea that it would be at all. And this is why this song the way it is. You can like it, you can dislike it, but it doesn't stop me from being a musician. We, we didn't expect that. There is nothing above the law. But freedom of speech and thinking is a part of the law. Since the start of the war, the Russian music industry has split into three. The anti-war minority, such as Maxim, the pro-war artists, and the silent majority. As the letters Z and V took over Russian public spaces, the government organized a series of concerts in support of the military. Many famous musicians took part. Although, there were many reports about triple, if not quadruple, wage demands. Those who supported this Z tour, who supported the war, none of them put this information on their socials. None of them advertised that tour. We can suggest they are not very proud of what they are doing. Probably they do understand what they are doing. And probably they do understand that every word about, for example, this song could be a part of their already ruined career. It started some when uh, the entire nation didn't start to use actually democracy. Democracy is a hard job. When people work very hard to govern, to rule, to steer their country, and when they don't, they don't. Who are responsible? Every single one but the progressive part of the society. We, we lost our country, we lost our people, because people by themselves, the passive part of, the, of them, just the regular part, in a good way, regular, just regular people, they need to be taken care of, they need to be educated. I can speak on my behalf as a part of Russian show business. This podcast is produced by Paper Paper, an independent media company from St. Petersburg that has been reporting on the war in Ukraine despite the government repressions. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss the future episodes and consider donating to support our work. The link is in the description. When listening to one of Maxim's new songs titled We Don't Need War, the question of collective guilt popped up in my mind once more. Are we as a society to blame for the wrongdoings of our government? There's always an argument. You've elected those in power, haven't you? Partially that is true, 
But what about all those people who voted against Putin? And what about the play-pretend elections we've been having for the last decade? I can't blame the nation for not igniting a revolution. That's where the idea of collective guilt falls short for me. Burning my passport, denouncing my heritage, language, and culture won't help anyone. What I do believe in is taking the responsibility for the future, which in today's reality means not being silent and doing your share to bring the change with the tools you have. The entire planet owes uh, an apology to Ukraine right now. Is It doesn't necessarily mean that I distance myself from Russians who feel guilty, but I kind of agree with those, you know, intelligent and smart and talented people who say that they do not feel that thing that we call a collective apology. Because I've been doing my things, you've been doing your things, everyone were doing their things. But again, every song is an apology because the planet, of course, my responsibility compared to certain, you know, random citizen of Bolivia or... <laughs> It's a little bit different, but the world let this catastrophe happen. I'm not trying to, to disappear in the world. I understand my personal part of, you know, this responsibility. It's not like I'm trying to avoid that. Despite Maxim's open anti-war stance, he had performed in Crimea after the annexation of 2014. The question of public opinion of the annexation deserves its own episode, if not an entire podcast. In the most basic terms, the majority of the art industry and the society either paid very little attention to the fact or openly supported it. Of course, there were those who protested against it, but they were far less numerous than what we see today. Somehow, the annexation in the society's mind had no real context up until the 24th of February this year. There is no prohibition of having concerts in Ukraine. And if I been on the stage... If I support Russia in their taking Crimea, taking over Crimea, this is one thing. If I do not support, that's another thing. And I don't necessarily need to be in Crimea or in the United States. Uh, I mean, whenever, wherever I do or don't do that, that's my point. But there was a violation. It's like an immigration regulation. There is certain punishment. We need to split that. I could have crossed the border illegal way, but support Russia in their taking over Crimea from the stage and vice versa. It needs to be strictly divided. And I have never ever supported and approved Russian actions against Ukraine, including taking over Crimea. As for my violation of the regulation of this passport, you know, immigration regulation, there is certain punishment not to enter country of Ukraine for a certain period of time. This period of time passed and no one in my life has uh, spent their life with no mistakes. Do I regret? Yes, I do. But I, I don't think it's the worst record in my life. We were pretty, I mean, we, the society, were pretty, you know, like, chill and overlook that. I can speak on my own behalf. That period of time I was doing my first thing in the United States. I was carried away by my project. Uh, is that a good reason to be not to take care of what's going on? Probably not. I was just experiencing my shit in my, in my life. In his other interviews, 
Maxim likes to refer to the lack of unity in Russian society today as if we're lacking the Ewa. If you remember James Cameron's movie Avatar, Ewa was the mystical guiding force of life and deity, the connection between the Navi and the planet. Maxim believes that lost connection is the reason Russians themselves don't feel in danger. Russians are not altogether. From certain angle, it's much easier for Ukrainians to be together right now. I mean, you need to understand me correctly because it's not easy for Ukrainians to experience what they are experiencing right now, but they have the common aim. And this aim is obvious. I'm not saying Russians don't have a goal. They do have it. For them, it's not clear because they are brainwashed by propaganda. Another comparison I, I make. So if they watch at the screen and if they see somebody like Darth Vader saying, I am here. Do whatever I say. I make you happy. This creature looks like a real fucking danger. You will understand. Is there any difference in the way Darth Vader looks and those who are talking from the from the TV screen right now? Of course it is. But day by day, this difference becomes, you know, smaller and smaller. And Russians still do not understand. They don't feel a danger. If uh, their, you know, favorite artists remain silent, not all of them. All right, everything is good. We don't need to worry about that. No, the danger is, is outside. The Russians, they just don't understand. This absence of unity is everywhere. That's what I said to Nova Gazeta Europe. They asked me, how many more songs does it need to be for people to start understand, to stop this war, to start, you know, taking actions against the war? I told them, the song should have been just one, but we should have sent them all together. The song doesn't necessarily need to be fucking good. It's, it, it always helps. The melody always helps. But you need just to, to appear to say something. They don't. I'm not burning my Russian passport for sake of, of those who are my Russian fellows, who are our Russian fan base. Real, decent, caring supporting us enormously, who are so oppressed by what's going on. They are, Russia is above propaganda, at least a decent part of Russia, and doesn't necessarily mean what percentage. As someone who's lived abroad for the last eight years, I've perceived Russia as two separate countries. One, a police state and a dictatorship with blunt propaganda and poorly made slogans. The other, a vibrant, young country with an incredible IT industry and new dawn of filmmakers and artists on the horizon with progressive people who truly want to make their home a better place. Out of all my friends, I haven't known one who wanted to emigrate. On the 24th of February, that first Russia invaded not just Ukraine, but the other Russia too. That could not have happened if we as a nation were united. Yet today we're as separated as ever. I had to ask Maxim if he sees a remedy to the social tragedy. I am too naive, probably, maybe it's utopia. We need to unite, not like, all right, guys, let's change our state of mind. It needs to be some legal entity that is based on financing, 
donations of regular people, an analog of a country, but not a real country, based on uh, on example and stencil of uh, real working democracy with zillion flaws. Politicians and parties will never unite by themselves because no leader will accept leadership of uh, another leader of another party. It needs to be something that politicians and parties need to be part of the economy and a competition and the idea of it need to make them accept democracy and competition. It's like, I want to be leader of all bands, music bands. I want, I want to be only number one in all charts. But there are some rules in the world, in this entertainment industry. There need to be a rule, there need to be a stencil. If I'm an opposite politician, I want to be inside the system because it's cool. It's being financed. It, it's being supported. And everyone, even a smaller supporter who pays, who donates $10 a month, they donate them to the system. It's a democratic system that make them compete and that make them match. So it's a kind of a country with no country. Otherwise, nothing will happen because Russia is too big. Russia is too split. In my opinion, this is the only way. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to The Russian Resistance on your favorite podcast platform. 